Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 12, verse 1 to 5. I'm going to read only five verses and the rest will be explained as we progress. Acts, chapter 12, verse 1 to 5. The Bible says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. Then Herod saw how much this pleased the Jews, the Jewish people. He also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Let's pray. Lord, we bless your name for your love and your mercy, your faithfulness. We just pray this morning that open our ears that we may hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. And we just pray that after hearing the word, may we put it into practice to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, I want to talk about what I've entitled, The Power of the Praying Church. The Power of the Praying Church. We've already heard the testimony uh, about what God did in the life of Pastor Michael. We've been hearing so many testimonies from the time we came back in person during the period of COVID. People have testified about so many things. I, for one, have testified many testimonies to the glory of the name of the Lord. And all this comes about through prayer. Not just for an individual, by an individual, but by the combined body of believers. By each one of us, as we pray, God answers our prayers. Now, coming back to the portion of scripture that we've just read, the Bible is saying that at that time, Herod Agrippa, who was the king at that time, he began to persecute the church. He began to persecute the believers. He could put some in prison. He could do different things to them. And for him to really make impact upon the movement of the believers, the church, he decided to arrest one of the chief apostles. We remember the inner circle of Jesus. James, John, and Peter, or Peter, James, John, and John. So the three, among the three, this is the James uh, that was arrested. So he went ahead, arrested James, and put him to death by the sword publicly. Of course, that should have brought fear upon the believers. He intended to, to paralyze the movement of Christianity or of the church. But the Bible tells us 
that after he saw that the Jewish people who were against the way, the followers of Jesus, they were so happy at what Herod had done. And so he wanted to please them all the more. And he went ahead and arrested another chief apostle by the name of Peter. Now, this is the problem of politicians sometimes. You know, because politicians go with the mood of the people. They would do anything to make the people happy so that they can remain powerful. The Bible says that after he killed James, the Jewish people celebrated and he said, okay, I'm going to make you happier by arresting and executing another one. Of course, the church knew to say, this man means bad business. He's going to kill this one as well. The Bible says that the church started praying earnestly. My version says that the church prayed very earnestly for him. They met in the house and they were praying. As we read going down there, we are going to hear that God will send an angel in the prison. The angel appeared and found Peter fast asleep. Now, this is very interesting. You know, I don't know how this can go with you and me. Upon hearing that tomorrow you are going to be executed and you are in prison. And then when somebody comes to see you, they find that you are asleep. In a deep sleep. Now, I know that Peter was in a deep sleep because... Even after the light of an angel shone in the cell, he could not wake up. The Bible says that until the angel struck him to wake him up. You can imagine that. That's when he woke up. And then he was told to say, put on your sandals and get up your garments, your loins. Let's go. Move quickly. And then as they were moving, the doors started opening. This door opens. They pass. This one opens. All the doors opened automatically. That was technology of God by then. Amen. Technology started a long time ago. <laughs> Not now. So they moved out of the prison. And he noticed Peter was out. And he started going. He was escorted by the angel and he left just near to the house. The angel left him. So Peter, even when all these things were happening, he did not know. He thought it was a dream or a vision. But when he realized, he just saw that the angel had rescued him. He headed straight to the house of the believers. He went there where they were praying. He knocked on the door. And the Bible says that a young girl by the name of Rhoda came out. When she looked, she saw Peter. And she shouted, oh, Peter is here. 
Now, there's something interesting again we are going to hear. That the believers who were earnestly, very earnestly praying, after they heard the report of their answered prayer, they believed not. They said, no, it can't be him. He's in prison. So I was wondering to say, then what were they praying for? They were praying for his release. They were praying for a miracle. A miracle takes place and a report comes. They are refusing again to say, "Mm -mm." he's in prison. It's not him. The girl insisted and said, it is him. They said, no, perhaps it is his angel. Oh, my God. And then Peter (laughs) told them to say, please, it is me. It is funny how sometimes we can charge in the spirit against the forces of darkness. And after a miracle takes place, we fail to believe. Amen. (laughs) I guess they they, they should have said, yes, we praise God. We've been praying for him and God has answered. But they were like, no, it's not him. But we should not blame them. Amen. They had faith to pray. But their faith again was mixed with unbelief. So, it's okay. This just shows that this church wasn't a perfect church. It was in its progress. It was a growing church. Hallelujah. Even us today, in the same way, we might be having, you know, these setbacks, having some unbelief, even when you are praying. But at the same time, you are wrestling. We need to know that we are in a progress to attain that perfection. That's why uh, the man in uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 23 Uh, From verse 17 to 25 there, the man who had a boy who was possessed with demons, he, he had brought the child to the disciples. They prayed and nothing happened. When he saw Jesus, he shouted, Lord, please help my son. I brought him to your disciples so that they could cast out the demons that have been tormenting him, but they could not. Jesus was very upset with them. <laughs> he said, you are a believing generation. For how long shall I put up with you? When he saw that the crowd was charging, advancing, he rebuked the spirit, the mute and dumb spirit to come out of him. Now, I like something that the man said. Jesus told him to say, all things are possible to those who believe. And then he said, yes, Lord, I do believe, yet help my unbelief. Hallelujah. This should be our prayer sometimes. We pray to say, Lord, I believe, but there is this unbelief that I'm wrestling with. Help my unbelief. Help me overcome it. Amen.
So the church prayed. Peter was released. And then they failed to believe. But after they really saw that it was him, they believed. He told them to say, tell my brother James. And then he left for another place. Now, when we look at what, I'm, what I've entitled the power of the praying church, every time the church stands to pray concerning anything, God always answers prayer. Amen? God will always answer, and his purposes will always come to pass through prayer. It is one thing when something is going on and then you are watching. Sometimes, you know, you can see something going on or something is happening, or maybe somebody is sick. Sometimes we get to the temptation of just commenting, you know, reflecting, you know, presenting our thoughts, our philosophies. Oh, no, this, ah, the way it has come now, you know, we even begin to quote the past experiences of other stories. If it is coming like this, it is going to end up like this. And then we'll go back and forth trying to discuss. And sometimes even becomes a little gossip, you know, but we are believers. But I'm here to encourage us this morning that as the church, we should continue to stand in prayer whenever something comes up or whatever request that you may have. Praying together is very powerful. It is powerful to pray as a single person, but it is more powerful to pray as a group of believers. Hallelujah. Now, this is important because Jesus himself told us so. Now, before this incident of Peter being arrested, we must remember that Jesus had made a promise to Peter to say, after Peter, in, in, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus had asked the disciples to say, who do people say I am? They went you know, on by mentioning different names. You are John the Baptist. You are Jeremiah the prophet. You are, you are Elijah. You know, perhaps some say that you are the prince of demons and so on and so forth. Then he turned to them and asked them to say, who do you say I am? Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, Surely, I tell you, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but by my Father in heaven. He told him to say, blessed are you. And then he went on to say, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, there are all kinds of theological interpretations. Others say that Peter is the foundation of the church. If we go the Catholic line. But my understanding is that Jesus 
was saying that he would build the church not on Peter as an individual, but on the confession that Peter had just declared. Christ confession. Christ, the son of the living God. And when we go into the original Greek, we are going to find that the word Peter is Petros, which means a pebble or a rock. And so, when we read the, the whole phrase that Jesus said, he used two words, two Greek words. He said, you are Petros, which means a small rock or pebble. And on this Petra, the big rock or the bedrock, the foundation rock, I will build my church. So Jesus was saying, in fact, we should remember that Jesus is the one who even gave him uh, this name. It was a prophetic name. The original name of Peter was Simon. Okay? And so Jesus gave him this name. It was a prophetic name. It is also found in John chapter 1 verse 42. Where he called him to say, from today, you'll be called Cephas or Kephas. Now, the name Cephas is the same name as Peter, except that Cephas is Aramaic and Petros is Greek. So, you know, that time the daily language was Aramaic. So he called him to say, you are the rock in Aramaic, Cephas. And gave him the promise to say, on this rock, I will build my church. So Jesus is the one who is doing the building of the church. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys for the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you shall loose shall be loosed. So the time comes now. For this authority to be manifested. I was thinking when I was studying this scripture to say, what made Peter to sleep like that when he knew that the following day was going to die? Then I was thinking to say, Peter must have known and remembered the words of the Lord, the promise of the Lord that he gave him. He knew that the church had not yet expanded. And also in John, in John 21, when Jesus was talking to him, he told him how he was going to die. He said, when you grow old, somebody will lead you to a place you do not know. The Bible says that he told him to show the kind of death that he was going to die. That was just a few months after Jesus had resurrected and then went into heaven. I believe Peter knew to say, wow, I'm still a youth. I'm not yet old. The Lord said, when I grow old, hallelujah. He based his faith upon the promises of God. He said, yes, the king has declared, but God gave me a promise. My time has not yet come. Amen. We should trust the promises of God all the time. No matter how the storm 
may be raging against our lives. Let us trust the promises of God. So the man slept because he had confidence. He knew that God was at work. And just as he promised, he would do something. And even knew to say, my job has just begun. We are just starting the foundation. The keys are yet to get manifested more and more. Now about the keys again, people will say different things. But I believe that the keys signifies authority. The power. Just on the day of Pentecost, the Bible tells us that after the crowd had gathered, as they were being amazed at what God had done, as people were speaking in different tongues, Peter stood up and preached to them that just day. 3,000 people came to the Lord. That is the keys being manifested. Peter had authority to open up the gates of heaven and to let those who believe come in. He was given the power to close and the power to open, to bind and to loose. That's what it means. Because gates, doors, are symbolic of authority. If you have a key to your house, it means that you have got authority to your house. When it happens that maybe somebody else takes the key, you reach home, and there, is, there are no keys, then there will be trouble. You'll be helpless, you'll be powerless. You go through the stress of calling the locksmith and everything. So, Peter had the authority. Now, even if he had the authority, he slept. But the church was enforcing that authority through prayer. In Acts chapter 4, we are going to hear that the believers were persecuted again. What did they do? They prayed earnestly, the Bible says. They prayed in such a way that the place where they had gathered shook. And their prayer was simple. Lord, grant us boldness that we may speak your word with power. Amen. Now, we should understand, just like James was arrested and killed, and I believe, let me say something about that. Sometimes we might wonder to say, why is it that Peter was arrested, and then that's when it is recorded that the church prayed, and yet we don't hear anything about James. I believe the church had prayed earnestly for James, just as they, uh, uh, had, they had prayed for Peter. But God chose to call him home. Amen? I also believe that God granted him the wish. You remember at one time, you know, the mother of, of James and John asked Jesus to say, Lord, grant it 
that my sons sit beside you, one at the right and one at the left in your kingdom. And Jesus said, it is not, <laughs> it is not my decision to grant that. And this is not an easy thing that you are asking for. Are you ready to drink from the cup that I'm going to drink? By that he meant the suffering, even death on the cross. They agreed. They said, yes, Lord, we are ready. I believe God granted him that. Amen. This should also encourage us that sometimes we can pray as the church. We have, we have had family members that were sick during even the time of COVID. I lost a friend, I for one. We prayed, but nothing happened. These things happen sometimes. So we can't blame the church again and say, ah, no, how come that one got healed, the testimony came and that one died? Does God choose? No, God does not choose. He answers prayers and he answers them in the ways that he sees them fit. Hallelujah. But we should not lose hope. Let's continue to pray. Hallelujah. So, Peter knew to say he was still having time to preach the gospel. The church prayed even in their weakness of unbelief. I want us to have this habit of prayer. I want to encourage each one of us today that whenever you have any request presented to the church, sometimes some people feel ashamed, you know, to make their requests known to others. They will be like, ah, oh, no. If I tell somebody about the thing that I'm going through, you know, maybe people will start talking about me, or maybe I'm like exposing myself. I just learned that, you know, especially this culture in America, people are very individualistic. Amen. <laughs> they like keeping things to themselves. Yes, you can do that. But in the church, it's different. When we are here, we are a family. Hallelujah. Let it be known to the church to say, these are my struggles. And let the brothers and sisters arise together and begin to charge in the spirit. And then miracles will come. Jesus himself said something uh, in the book of, uh, in the book of uh, Matthew. He mentioned something to say, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. So when I, I, I mentioned earlier that it is powerful to pray as an individual, but it is more powerful to pray as believers collectively. There is power in that. So the church that prays is a powerful church. It is the church that is able to stop the advancement 
of the powers of darkness. It is the church that is able to stop the work of darkness. You see, the enemy will use authorities sometimes in different forms. They will manifest in different ways. But if you have the praying church, we don't need to go to war to arm ourselves with guns or with anything in order to make our points known. Our job is to just kneel and pray. And as we do that, God will come through and answer us by fire. Hallelujah. We've seen, we can trace from the Old Testament into the New Testament to our contemporary, how God has been faithful to those that praise. Herod was trying to make his political status by killing the believers. You are going to hear in verse 20 to 23 that the man is going to be struck by God. What the believers did is that they were praying for Peter's release. A miracle took place. Peter was released and even escaped and went to a different place. What is going to follow is that Herod is going to get dressed up as a king as he was addressing uh, the people of Tyre and uh, Sidon. And as he was speaking, the Bible says that people started shouting, that is the voice of a God. As I said, a politician will feel good when you are having crowds cheering. He was like, yes. The Bible says that he did not give glory to God. And because of that, the angel of the Lord came down and struck him. Amen? When we read about Peter, he mentioned earlier that the angel of the Lord struck him. The same word that is used in Greek for striking Peter to wake him up, it is the same word that is used to strike Herod. But the results were different. For one, it was release from prison. For the other one, it was death. God is always in charge. God will always protect his people no matter how the enemy can charge against them, God is able to fight on their behalf. Hallelujah. We have another story in the book of Acts chapter 9. We have a man called Saul who was breathing murderous threats, who went ahead in his zeal to the authorities and got the letters, permission to persecute and kill the believers. Stephanos had just been stoned to death and he was bearing witness by holding the clothes, the jackets of those that were stoning and sweating. And then he saw that it was good. He wanted to go and do more. He was zealous to wipe out all the followers of Jesus so that the, the Jewish tradition, the Jewish worship can be continued. And he had an encounter with Jesus. Something interesting Jesus said 
when he encountered Paul, when he had an encounter with Paul, he asked him to say, so, so, why are you persecuting me? Paul was persecuting the church, but Jesus took it personal. Hallelujah. Whenever the church is going through issues, God takes it personal. Hallelujah. You should always remember that. He cares. He knows. He understands. And is ready to act. Praise God. So, today I would like us to remember always that as we walk through this journey of faith as believers, let us remember that we will have battles to fight. We will encounter opposition. We will encounter challenges. We will encounter sicknesses. But as we pray, as we've heard the testimony, testimonies will come. Amen? God will always answer our prayers. Sometimes we get discouraged to say, hey, why, why, why am I becoming sick if I've been going to church every day? You know, I do my devotions, I follow the Lord, you know, faithfully, but why is this happening? Wow, there is a great man in the Bible <laughs> whom you might think that he wasn't going to face any issues by the name of Apostle Paul, but he did. In fact, he tells us in 2 Corinthians that he had a thorn in the flesh. Amen. And in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, he narrates all the troubles that he had gone through. And his conclusion was, I prayed earnestly to the Lord to take away the thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan that was befitting me all the time. But his answer was short and simple. My grace is sufficient for you. For in your weaknesses, my power is made perfect. Hallelujah. The power of God is made perfect in our weaknesses. So let us not be surprised. These weaknesses are the same sicknesses that might come. The challenges, confusion in the family, different things that we might encounter. They are part of the weaknesses. But the power of God is made perfect because when we call upon, upon the name of the Lord, he answers us. He manifests his power. And that moves us from one level to the other. Hallelujah. When you pray to God over something and he answers you, your life changes. It is never the same. That's how it is. You win battles. You advance. Others are going to come. You advance. Just like that. Why does that happen? So that we can be faithful witnesses. Let me ask you this. If two people came, you have a situation, 
you are going through something. And then two people came. One has gone through what you are going through and overcame. And then some, the other person has no idea about what you are going through. And then all of them come and say, you can come to me. This is my profile. Who are you going to choose among the two? The one who has experience. Amen? Because as you be talking to them, they will be in a position of authority. They will be authentic because they've, they've experienced firsthand of what you are talking about and they are going to have more empathy or even sympathy with you than the one who doesn't know. They will just say things for the sake of dismissing you because they have no idea. So, the things that we go through as the church, as believers, they are there to mold us, to give us testimonies, to tell the world. If people ask you as to why you believe in the Lord, you must have a reason. You must give that reason and give it confidently. Amen. How do you give the reason? By counting what the Lord has done in your life. There are lows and highs in the Christian journey. This is the reality. You know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, we might hear people are trying to encourage us. Let me tell you something. When I was coming to the Lord, I heard people, you know, making promises like, brother, you need to receive Jesus. And after you receive Jesus, everything will be fine. Now, as a boy, I had that perspective to say, okay, these people are saying everything is going to be fine. Meaning there will be no challenge, you know, I was, I was imagining that paradise life, <laughs> that garden of Eden life before the fall. But actually, that wasn't true. When I became a Christian, I started fighting battles, beginning from my household, my family. The ancestral spirits <laughs> of the Bemba tribe started arising against me. I had to stand. I had to take my stand to fight them. Until my dad came to the Lord, my mother and my eight siblings. At that time, I said, praise God. And then I had to start fighting again. Until I started leading my aunties, my uncles to the Lord. Hallelujah. It did not just end there. I fought so many battles. And several times I thought of giving up. But his grace has always been sufficient. And the battles have not ended. We still fight them. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage each one of us that... Let us be a praying church. Let us continue to be a praying church. Let us continue to share our 
burdens to one another. Just share. You know, tell somebody, this is what I'm going through. Please, let's pray together. The Bible says that whatever, whenever you agree, where two or three are gathered and you agree, what you agree upon, you are making a decision. You are binding something on earth. Even in heaven, it is going to be bound. In the, in the testimony and witness of two or three. Hallelujah. Sometimes, if I see that, you know, there is, there is something that I want God to do urgently, I'll pray by myself, but mostly, I'll rush to my wife. I'll tell her to say, we need to agree. The Bible says that two or three or more. So let's pray about this. And then we'll pray. Sometimes I even include my kids. We will pray. And when something happens, when God comes through, I've taught my children to remember God's faithfulness. They will stand and give testimonies. Hallelujah. I've given testimonies sometimes when, when my kids, you know, like faith. They will, you know, she was praying last time. At school, they were winning. You know, by good behavior, whatever was going on, performance in the class, they were winning $100 gift card, target card. And so my daughter wanted to buy some toys, some stuff. And when she saw that friends won, that touched her. She came home. That night before she slept, she told the brothers and sisters, Wake up, let's pray. We need to pray. I want to win that card tomorrow. <laughs> Stephen, Martina, they were tired. They refused. They said, no, we are tired. She went ahead and she prayed, but they were hearing her. When she went the following day, the principal announced, Faith Mwanga. You should come and correct your gift card. You have won. And then she came home excited. Before she could say anything, Martina and Stephen Jr., they are the ones who are bearing witness. She won the card. She told us to pray, but we refused yesterday night. That night, they wanted to pray of them, but they didn't win because <laughs> the prophetic grace wasn't there anymore. <laughs> so, what I'm trying to say is that even kids know, they understand the power of prayer. Amen? They know that when we pray, something will happen. Because they have known that as parents, we always depend upon God. We pray and we give a testimony. When it is time to eat, sometimes... I get a little nervous to give them to pray when it is eating time because they pray long prayers. They will be thanking God for every little thing, you know, that God has done. I keep telling them to say, look, when it is time for food, you go straight. You pray about the food, then we start eating. Then they will go counting the blessings. That's how kids can behave sometimes. What I'm saying is that there is power 
in corporate prayer. May we never underestimate the power of corporate prayer. A church that prays is a powerful church. Now, we may not understand sometimes or know how much how many battles or how many demons or forces of darkness we drive away by praying. Amen? As we pray as the church, there are invisible behind the scenes powers of darkness that we scatter. That happens. I can assure you. That happens. Never doubt. I knew this how. You see, Back in Africa, you know, there were times whereby I could pray. I, I've told you the first time I cast out demons. You know, somebody manifested, and then they were jumping, all kinds of jumpings, aggressive. It was my first time. And then this brother told me to say, brother, pray for this one. And he assigned me the very aggressive one. So I was like, but how do you choose you know, somebody who is short and then you are giving me a tall one and very aggressive. That was in my mind. So, it was my first time. I was afraid. I was shaking, you know, making all sorts of noise. So, I was following. I was shouting, in the name of Jesus, you know, with timing to say, if anything, I'm near the door, I will storm out. But to my surprise, when I shouted, fire! In the name of Jesus, the person who was possessed was retreating. You know, they were retreating, running away from me. So at that point, I knew to say, oh, it means this fire thing is working. So I started like advancing now. In the name of Jesus, I command you, out! And then she was going like this, you know, hiding in the corner. That gave me morale. I knew to say, okay, I think I'm carrying something here that I don't really understand. The confidence started building up. I was becoming aggressive now. In the name of Jesus, I command you out. Demon started crying. Ah! And then I did it over and over again. She fell down and the demons left. From that day, I knew that I carry the authority that I did not know that I carry. And I knew to say... Though I am, I, I am young, I'm just a youth, I am carrying the fire that scorches the demons. Even you, all of us in here, we carry this power. Amen? We carry this power. Maybe we haven't seen this power for one reason. Because we always pray for our fellow believers who have no demons. How are they going to manifest? They don't have them. So we, as long as we are just praying for one another, we will not see this manifestation. But give yourself a challenge. Try to reach out there. Pray for somebody who doesn't... Pray for somebody who, who is not a believer. And I assure you, you will see the power of God at work. Hallelujah. That's my encouragement. So we carry the power. If I could do that, you know, commanding the demons out, 
In fact, I think I've even told you the story before about how I prayed for my grandmother. When I was in the village, my grandmother was possessed by demons. She used to use her own things, her own plates, her own cups, everything, because the demons had commanded her to do so. Combining with other people, it was considered to be unclean. Yet they are the ones that are unclean spirits. You know, they wanted like <laughs> for her to be separate. You know, I wasn't a Christian. I left the village, went to the city. And about six years later, four years later actually, grandma came to the city. I was a Christian. And I used to pray for her to say, Lord, I don't want my grandmother to die with those demons. She came. And it happened that she was going to sleep in our room before they cleared the other room. And so that night, before I slept, I was praying before sleeping. When I just started praying while sitting on my bed, my grandmother manifested. I started casting those demons out. And she was set free. The following day, I had a prayer meeting where I'd invited some friends. Grandma received Christ. So even as she passed last year of old age, she died as a believer. Amen? So, all this is evidence. I have, I have so much evidence in my life concerning the power of prayer. And again, I testified that I, I, I ministered to my parents. The church where I used to go, the Baptist church, had joined the prayer band, the intercession prayer group. We used to pray. Every day I had one request, pray for my family. Pray for my family. Pray for my dad. My dad used to be a Jehovah's Witness before. So we used to have a lot of trouble. <laughs> he would call me, not that he wanted to believe at first, but he would call me just to debate, to test me how much I knew about the Bible. And then he would do that when he was drunk. And you, you can imagine, you can't argue with a, a drunk person. You know? We could become... You know, we could argue sometimes in such a way that you would get upset and tell me to say, I'll chase you out of my house. You know, if you are becoming so aggressive with this thing, you should be listening to me. You know, you was trying to put up some stories that were not really correct. So I used to say, please pray for my family, pray for my family. And as the church was faithfully doing that, five years down the line, a miracle happened. I ministered to my dad, led him to the Lord. The following day, he invited all my siblings, and mom was present. And he told them to say, listen to what he has to say about his God. I preached to them, and all of them at one time, they received the Lord. Hallelujah. Because the believers were praying, that happened. I told you that at one time, after I received Christ, at one time, I decided to wander away. I went 
away from church for one year. One year. After getting baptized, I looked at the baptism certificate. I said, praise God. This looks like some ticket in heaven. I'm baptized. Will God say, do not enter? I think I'm done. And because my parents were not Christians, I was like, I've even done the best. My parents are not even baptized. I'm the only one. I'm better. You know? But the church kept on praying. And there were three people that used to visit me every Sunday. And sometimes I could just see, you know, the Baptists in Zambia, I don't know about here. I haven't seen here. They wear purple uniforms, you know, purple jackets. <laughs> That's the color for the Baptist Fellowship of Zambia. So every time I saw purple and white, I knew to say, oh, they are coming for me. I would run away. You know, every time I saw, I would run away. At one point, I confronted this deacon, Gerard. I told him to say, can you please tell me, why do you keep on following me? What did I get from your church that you keep hunting for me every Sunday? Leave me alone, please. I'm tired to run away from you. He looked at me and said, brother, it's because we love you, but Jesus loves you more. That's why he wants you back. That shocked me. I was like, love thing, this is what they are coming for. So I felt ashamed. I said, okay, I'll come next Sunday. That's how I went back to church. The same man, he later became the youth patron and is the man God used to give me an opportunity to preach the first sermon in 2005 on the youth day. And I've been preaching since that day. Hallelujah. The power of the praying church. May VCF arise and begin to pray like never before for one another, for families. In Jesus' name. Even as the enemy continues to charge, to throw those darts, those arrows against each one of us, our family members, Victory is guaranteed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. May we pray together. Lord, we are so grateful. Thank you, Lord, for today. We pray right now that may you steer up each one of us to become prayer warriors. Warriors that will depend upon you totally, O oh God, in prayer. In the name of Jesus. I pray that, Lord, even sometimes when we are, we are almost overcome by unbelief, just like that man who asked Jesus, who cried before Jesus to say, Lord, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. So we pray, O oh God, that help us overcome our unbelief. Let the faith, O oh God, be strong like never before. We pray that, oh God, just like the church was praying earnestly for Peter, yet they had the unbelief after a miracle took place. We therefore pray that, oh God, encourage us to pray as well because your word has taught us today that even in our imperfection, you are the God who is able to answer our prayers. 
Blessed be your name, Lord. We thank you for all the miracles that you continue to do. And right now, I pray, O oh God, for all those that may have different challenges in their lives. Those that are sick, I pray for healing over their lives. Those that are having confusion in their families, in their marriages, I pray by the power of the name of Jesus Christ that let there be reconciliation, let there be unity, let there be grace, almighty God, over them. In Jesus' mighty name, Son of the living God, we just pray that, O oh God, let peace that surpasses all wisdom and understanding rest upon each one of us right now. All those that have anxiety, all those that are depressed right now, I pray for them that, Lord, touch them, lift up every burden off their shoulders in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, we declare that let there be deliverance upon all those that have been bound by the enemy. We command those shackles to be broken out of their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you praise, Lord. We give you glory. Thank you for your word today. We pray that we will put this word into practice. We will continue to pray and to share our requests with one another. And we will continue, mighty God, to agree with one another in prayer. We will not be ashamed in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you and pray. Thank you, Lord, for answering our prayers. For your word says in the book of Mark chapter 11 and verse 24 that whenever we stand praying, we should believe that we've received what we've asked for and it shall be ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you.